Good morning. So, yes, it was a crazy week for me, too, because yeah, I was there when um, the baby was born, my 10th grandchild. I don't know why I'm crying, but... <laughs> um, yeah, so number 10, and I feel so blessed. It was traumatic, as, as Adam said, but, you know, thank God that he's okay, and... Um, yeah. So, and also, I, I was at I was at Amy Adams' house for three days, and then back at our place with all the other kids. The three there are three other children, so it's been a very very busy week for me. You know, going back to being a mom of young children again, and so I'm a little tired because I'm not used to it. And I said to Melissa this morning, "Wow, I had to do all this, prepare a message, be on worship." She goes, "Welcome to my week." <laughs> I'm like, okay, <laughs> but I'm getting too old for this. No. <laughs> so anyways, uh, thank God he, came, he comes through every time, and he's good, and he gave me a message. I was ready to say, Lloyd, maybe you should do it this week. <laughs> but I felt like God just kept saying, no. <laughs> no, I have a word that I want you to speak. And he really put this word on my heart. And the worship was just... The song choices were just so, like, right on for what I want to speak about, which is always crazy how God does that. And I, I want to talk this morning about how God is the God of overflow. He's the God of abundance. He's the God of more, more than enough. And we were made for more. We were made to have more, to be more, to do more. Um, and yet... Often, don't we feel restless? Do you guys feel restless often and, like, it's not satisfied? Like, there's got to be more. How many of you a lot of times feel that way? You know, there's got to be more. I'm not, like, I'm not living my life as God intended it to be lived. Um, I know that I often get that feeling, um, like I'm not living like I should, or I'm not living out the adventure that God called me to live, or being who God's called me to be. And um, because God, it says in the word, he says, at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. You know, how many feel like you're living in that, oh, wow, at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. You're always living in that pleasure of his presence. As I was thinking about this and how we have this longing for more, um, I was thinking about my grandchildren, about my kids when they're little, when they're toddlers. And... You know, this week, the times when, with my grandkids, that I had them lose it the most was usually when they wanted something they couldn't have or what their brother had. <laughs> you know, they always wanted what they, somebody else had. They wanted more, you know. They wanted to take it for themselves. And um, right from when we were born, you know, little children have that, that wanting what somebody else has always, right? And they want more, and they want that toy. And, um, and they get really upset when they can't have it. Um, so from our youngest ages, we desire more. We pine, we crave, we beg and cover for more. And typically, on a, we see this as a negative thing most of the time, right? That we want more and, and um, that we crave for more. And it can be a very negative thing, right? Because if we don't find that satisfaction in the right place, then it is 
not a good thing. But the, but the truth is that God designed us like that. He designed us as uh, people who want more because he wants to give us so much. He's, he designed us with this huge capacity for more and with this, this, um, just this longing inside of us to be filled with something, right? And um, so it's not a bad thing. Um, it's just where are you looking for that? satisfaction. And, you know, you look at the world, and they're continually looking for something to satisfy that longing inside of them, right? Whether that's through people or possessions or positions, uh, prestige, um, and other things like that, you know, and and people just keep looking and, and keep getting in the cycle of looking for these things to satisfy, but they never satisfy. And, uh, you know, you can look at Hollywood and look at what's been going on lately, suicides, right? These are people who seem to have everything. And they're, they're well-known. They have, they have all the finances, all the wealth that they could have. And they have, um, they just, they have everything that people long for, right? They've achieved it. They have risen to the top, and yet you still see them, and they're looking to drugs to fill that longing, or they're, they end up committing suicide because, or trying to commit suicide because they realize none of these things actually satisfy. <sighs> so those desires, unless we, those desires that we have inside of us, unless we fill them with God first, nothing else will really satisfy. So... I just want to share some verses about what God says in his word that he has for us and the life that he wants us to live. And the first one is John 10.10. 10. It says, I don't know if anyone wants to take notes, but you might want to with some of the things that I give you. But John 10.10 10 says, a thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And that's what the enemy wants to do with us. He wants to steal our joy. He wants to destroy our lives, you know. But Jesus said, I have come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in fullness till you overflow. I love that. I love reading the Passion Translation. How many of you have that translation? It's just so amazing. It's so descriptive. And I just love how it states this, everything in abundance, more than you expect, Life in fullness till you overflow. And a couple weeks ago, Mary shared about the parable of Jesus' first parable, turning the water into wine. And I believe that this is a prophetic picture. It's his first miracle that he did. A prophetic picture of the extravagance of God, right? He saved, you know, he made that wine. He made so much wine, a crazy amount of wine. And it was the best wine. It was probably the most amazing wine people ever tasted, you know, and that was his first miracle. And I believe that God just wanted to show us, I am a God of extravagance. I am a God who wants to pour out good wine on you, good things on you. So, and then we have the verse, and I love, love this verse. Ephesians, 20, Ephesians 3, verse 20 and 21 says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. And I love that. He doesn't just use one word to state this. 
I do above, or I do exceedingly. It's I do exceedingly, I do abundantly, I do above all. Exceedingly, abundantly above all. God is really emphasizing that, isn't he? He wants to do exceedingly, abundantly above all. And it says he is able. It's God. It has nothing to do with us. It's his work in us. He's able. And he does exceedingly, abundantly above all that we could even ask or think. And again, the Passion Translation says this so, so beautifully. It says, never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more. What is infinite? Infinite means there's no beginning, there's no end. So his power at work in you is infinite. There is no beginning or end to his power. It is an unlimited power. And he will achieve that in your life infinitely more than your greatest request. What is your greatest request? Think about that. What, is, what have you been asking God for? Well, he wants to achieve infinitely more than even that request that you have. He will achieve infinitely more than your most unbelievable dream. You know, and some of us don't dream big enough. And then there's others who have these crazy big dreams that could never happen unless it was God. But God, you know, he wants us to dream even bigger. He wants to do even above and beyond your wildest dream. And he wants to exceed your wildest imagination. He will do, he will, it says he will, not just wants to, but it says he will achieve infinitely more than your, your wildest imagination. Isn't that amazing? He will outdo them all. For his miraculous power constantly energizes you. A couple months ago, we were in Raleigh, um, at Catch the Fire Raleigh, and Ash Smith was preaching, and um, she said, she was talking about this verse as well, and she said, God is saying, he's not just big. He's not just big. God isn't just big, but he is way beyond to infinity and beyond. Beyond our beyond. <laughs> and she said, God loves to shock and surprise us with his goodness, you know? So let's get excited about that. And yeah. And when I think about, you know, this, that he wants to do more than our greatest request. Um, I want to give an example of that. When we were living in Kansas City, Missouri, we were doing ministry in the inner city. And I probably told this story. I, I don't remember half the time when I told anymore. But um, so we were living there and we were doing ministry with the poor in the ghetto. It was a pretty rough place, very rough. I mean, the houses should have been condemned. It was... It wasn't safe for our girls, for us to walk outside, really. It was, it was really crazy. And uh, before we went there, we were at Youth with a Mission, and we had a family come visit, and God gave them a dream. They connected with Lloyd, especially the, the guy, and he's a businessman. Um, and he had a dream, and God told him you, you, to support, that he wanted them to support us. And so they said, well, we want to support you $1,000 a month. And that was U.S. dollars. At that time, that was about 1500 Canadian. And that money enabled us to just go wherever God would lead us. We didn't know what we we're going to do after we got out of YWAM. But, you know, I'm not going to share the whole story because it's a long story. But God led us to YWAM, to, not to YWAM, but to Kansas City, Missouri, to work there. And, you know, we had that provision that was good, but we needed a house. There were so many needs that we had um, above and beyond even that. And uh, so we prayed for God's provision, and we didn't ask anyone or, you know, 
and we were living in this top floor of our, this family's home. We had a 15-passenger van that my husband had bought at an auction, paid 3000 for it, and God had given him a dream to go to that auction too, which is crazy. Bought this van for $3,000, put a little work in it. Maybe in total $5,000 was spent on this vehicle. And so we're there for one week. It, Lloyd gets up in the morning, looks out the window, and the van is gone. He calls me to the window and says, Lisa, do you notice anything unusual here? <laughs> and I had to think about it for a second, but I'm like, the van. The van's not there. <laughs> and yes, the van was stolen. And um, so we called. The, he had already got U.S. insurance in that week. I don't know how he did it so fast. That was totally God putting on the, his heart to do that. And so the insurance company gave us a replacement vehicle until they found it. And uh, finally, I think a month or two later, they found it, and it had been stolen by homeless people. They lived in it, scratched it up, ate it. I mean, it was a mess. It was not livable. I mean, not drivable, I guess you could say. <laughs> not livable. Well, they lived in it, but not really drivable. Um, so the insurance company was going to give us the money to get a new van. And remember, we paid... A the max we spent on this, $5,000 with the work we put into it. Well, they gave us a check for 10000 U.S., and at that time, that was 15000 Canadian, 10000 more than we paid for it. Wow. And, you know, when that happened, I thought, this is awful. Like, you know, you look at it as a bad thing. Oh, this is horrible. Like, somebody stole our van, and it seems like a negative thing, but it wasn't. It was God's way of providing for us. You know, so that was way beyond, above and beyond our um, greatest request, you know. I thought God would just give us money through people or whatever, but it's crazy how he can supply our needs when we are doing his work. And uh, I couldn't even have thought of, you know, that God would do something like that. So Then Ephesians 3, verse 18 and 19 says, How deeply intimate and far-reaching is his love. How enduring and inclusive it is. Don't you love all those adjectives? It's intimate, far-reaching, enduring, and inclusive. Endless love beyond measurement that transcends our understanding. This extravagant love pours into you until you are filled to overflowing with the fullness of God. So God doesn't want to just pour his love on us, but he wants to, us to be filled to overflowing with his love. And think about it. God is huge. We cannot contain him in ourselves. You know, we just can't contain this huge God. He has to overflow. He has to overflow from us, and that's who he is. And that's his heart to pour his extravagant love into you until you are filled to overflowing with the fullness of God. Psalm 23, 5 says, You anoint my head with oil, and my cup runs over. And back in Bible times, they didn't just dab your head like we do now. You know, it was a bucket of oil poured over the head. You know, you were drenched in that oil. And, um, and it was used. The reason it was done in the Old Testament was to introduce a divine influence or presence. The Holy Spirit, basically, right? And so he pours out his Holy Spirit upon us. The Passion Translation says, You anoint me with the fragrance of your Holy Spirit, and you give me all that I can drink of you until my heart overflows. 
so many verses. John 7, 38 says, rivers of living water. Whoever believes in me, rivers of living water will flow from within him. And he's like a river. He's not meant to be kept inside. You know, if we keep him inside, <laughs> it's not good. You know, he's not meant to just be for ourselves. He's meant to flow from within us. And, and John 3, 34 says, God gives us the spirit without limit. There is no limit to, what, to God. There's no beginning and end to God. He is absolutely limitless. His power is limitless. His love is endless. His wisdom is unending. We have all that we need on the inside of us when we have him inside. Even if we don't feel like it, we have all that we need inside of us. And his, limited, his limitless supply, all we will ever need. And we can't use it up. No matter how much we pull on the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we cannot come to an end of that power. We can't use it up. There's more than enough for you, for me, for every person in the entire world. And the more we use it, the more we use, flow with the Holy Spirit, the more there is. You know, that's amazing. Luke 6, 38. I'm a teacher, as you can tell. I like to put lots of scripture in, so I hope you're good. <laughs> uh, Luke 6, 38 says, Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, and shaken together, will be poured into your lap. You know, God doesn't just give to us, uh, and that's it. He gives us a good portion. It says, he gives us good measure, which is a generous portion. God gives us generous portion, but that's, he doesn't stop there. He, it's pressed down, pressed down to make room for more. You know, when you press something into, you put flour into a cup, right? You press it down to more, or you shake it, shake it, and even more can come in. But that's not enough. He doesn't want us just to be the top, but it overflows. It pours into our lap. So, yeah. And then a, just a couple other verses. He gives us bread to eat and seed to sow. And he multiplies the seed that we sow. He gives us not just bread to eat, but he gives us seeds to sow. And what do you do with a seed? You have to sow it in order to, to get a harvest, right? We have to sow our seed. And he not just gives us a seed to sow, but he multiplies the seed that we have. And I believe, I don't know if that means maybe that he, you know, looks to see, are you going to sow the seed that he's given you? And then he'll give you even more seed to sow, you know? He'll multiply the seeds that you have so that you can sow even more. And then John 12, 32 says, Do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. I love that. It's his good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He delights in giving us good gifts. I picture my Lloyd, my husband, his father, when he would get excited about something, and it, or he'd see his kids, you know, giving a kid something or whatever. He'd go like, you know. And uh, Lloyd does the same thing. My kids do it. <laughs> I do it now too. You know, and there's just this delight. And I just picture God in heaven, like rubbing his hands together in delight because he just wants to bless our socks off. And he wants to give us good things. You know, and these verses are just a drop in the bucket. I could keep going on probably all day. Of verses in the Bible that talk about how abundantly extravagant God is, you know? And after hearing these verses, is there any doubt in your mind that this is who God is? That he is a God of extravagance? That he's a God of abundance? 
He's a God of overflow. Just, just the wording in the verses alone, you know, shows the way he, the descriptive words, three, four words to describe the same thing about how extravagant he is. That is God. That's who God is. He's a generous God. You look at even Solomon with his wisdom, right? He had so much wisdom and so much wealth that people came from all over the world to see it, to hear him, hear his wisdom. And God gave him that wisdom far beyond anything anyone has ever seen. And God is more than able to do that. He, Abraham had so much wealth that he couldn't even live close to people and because he had so many cows and so many cattle and um, so much wealth. Uh, I think of the children of Israel, and as they were in the wilderness, their clothes never wore out. The food never stopped. The manna never stopped until they were able to provide on their own. God provided for them. And so if this is who God is, the question we have to ask ourselves is, am I living this life of fullness, this life of abundance, this above and beyond overflow and extravagance in my life? in every area of my life? Do you feel like you're living that life of abundance and extravagance? And if not, why? That's the question. Um, And so if God says all this and he promises, has so many promises in the word of God and he delights in blessing me, he wants to bless me, then why is this not manifesting in my life? Because often we feel like it's not really manifesting in our life when we're not walking in that fullness that he said we're supposed to walk in. In Psalm 78, I read this last week, and it just blew my mind. It was Psalm 78, 41 said, and it's talking about Israel. It says, again and again, they, Israel, limited God. They limited God. Wow. How can you limit God? That's crazy to think that you can actually limit God. They limited God, preventing him from blessing them. Wow. So they limited God, they prevented him from blessing them, and continually they turned back from him, and they provoked the Holy One of Israel. So there are some things that can prevent God's blessing in our life. And I'm not just talking financial blessings here, guys. I know I use some of those examples. But sometimes there can be things that block, right, the blessings of heaven overflowing into our lives because God wants to bless us. He wants to heal us. That's his absolute will is to heal our bodies It's his will that we have everything that we need, you know. It's his will that we walk in the power of God, that we heal the sick, that we raise the dead, we cast out demons. It's his will that we walk in healing, that we're not oppressed by the enemy. And yet often that's not manifesting in our lives, is it? So so I just wanted to share a few things that could be blocking God's blessings from flowing into our life. And the first one um, you mentioned this morning about generosity. Generosity. God is a generous God. And um, that verse I read, it said, Given it will be given to you in good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. With what measure you give, it will be given back to you. So God wants to give you good measure, running over, shaken together. But it's based on, are you generous? Are you giving? Are you giving? We have to give in order to receive. That's just the way the kingdom of God works. You sow what you reap, right? If you don't plant a seed in the ground, nothing's going to come. But when you do plant a seed, think about it. You don't just have that little seed. The harvest is so much greater 
And that's the amazing thing. God wants to take the little seed that you plant, what you, he's given you to bless someone else, and he will give you back such an abundant harvest. So we can't afford to be stingy. Uh, pure and undefiled, pure religion and undefiled religion. <laughs> I said that weird, but uh, is this, to look after orphans and widows. You know, that is God's heart. He wants, he, his heart is for the, the oppressed. His heart is for the broken. His heart is for the poor. His heart is for those in prison. His heart is for those orphans and widows who have no one else to take care of them. That's his heart. And, you know, he expects us to use our hands, our, our resources to be a blessing to the people around us, not to just keep things for ourselves. Proverbs 21, 13 says, if you close your heart to the cries of the poor, then I'll close my ears when you cry out to me. What a convicting verse. <laughs> you know, God can actually close his ears. You know, he did that with Israel. They, didn't, they were building these ha- fancy houses, but they were oppressing the people who lived around them, the poor, and they weren't taking care of them. And God was not pleased, right? And so this doesn't mean we have to take on the whole world. <laughs> you know, one person at a time, just whether it's giving a compassion child or whether it's blessing someone around you, ask God to give you opportunities, you know, to reach out to the broken around you. And then on a positive note, it says in Proverbs nineteen seventeen that every time you give to the poor, you make a loan to the Lord. Isn't that great? You make a loan to the Lord when you give to the poor. And it says when you do something for the least of these, you're doing it for him. You're doing it to him. It's like, you know, and that's the way we need to look at it. When we bless other people, we're doing it as unto him. So every time you give to the poor, you make a loan to the Lord. Don't worry. You'll be repaid in full for all the good you've done. Good verse. And then the other area is tithing. Sometimes, you know, um, says in Malachi 3.10, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be a food in my house. Test me in this and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there won't be room enough to store it. So I really believe, I know some people don't feel like tithing is a New Testament principle, but I really believe that God wants us, that it shows that we trust him with our finances. It shows that he is the Lord of our finances, right? And not just tithing, but offering. That we need to be generous with the finances that God has given us. And he says, if you do this, I will open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing there will not be room enough to store it. So you'll have to give it away. Because <laughs> you can't keep it all to yourself. You know, our greatest financial miracles as a family were when we were living in Kansas City. We live by faith. And God never stopped supplying for us. It was amazing. This family that was supporting us a thousand dollars a month, all of a sudden, just said, "Oh, we can't do it anymore." We were in the middle of sending our kids to a Christian school, and and we just couldn't afford to keep doing that. But m- immediately, without telling anyone, God put it on the heart of another family, and they came to Lloyd and said, "You know, we want to support you guys. A thousand dollars a month." Same amount. And they didn't even know that we had other supporters for this. You know, so it was just God never stopped supplying our needs. And when you do, when you reach out to the poor and you reach out to the broken and you live for his kingdom, you know, 
He will supply. I mean, the Bible says you don't have to worry about food or clothing or any of these things the world worries about. Because if you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, all these things will be given to you as well. So, yeah, and again, I just want to remind us that a life of wealth, I'm not, just ta- I'm not talking about having this crazy amount of uh, money, a big house, a big car, possessions, you know. I'm not talking about that. And I know some, you know, there's that prosperity gospel teaching and all that. But I believe that God, he wants to bless us financially. But honestly, I believe that he wants to bless us so that we can give to others. That is his heart. Not for us to get more stuff. Not for us to get a nicer car. I mean, sometimes I have this car and I don't love it. And sometimes I'm embarrassed by my car. <laughs> Let's be honest here. It's not this beautiful car. But... Uh, it, we paid cash with it, and we use our money to just, you know, do missions and go to other countries, and we could be a lot more financially ahead. But, you know, we really have a heart to be generous, to, to bless the poor, to, to bring people into his kingdom, and that's really what it's about, you know? And, I, you know, you can have the, the poorest people in the world could be the richest, Right? The riches in the world, richest people in the world could be the poorest. It's not about finances. You know, um, a true life of wealth is the richness of peace and life, of love. A life lived well, a life rich in relationships, in living for others, in contentment, in peace, love, joy. A life lived well with integrity and character. You know, when you live in that way, you are living an abundant life. You are living an abundant life. And yes, God might bless you with finances. And he gives you seed. He does. I think he tests us in that too. He gives us seed to see, are you going to sow this seed? Are you going to be generous? Or are you just going to buy more clothes? <laughs> Which is easy to do for me. But uh, <laughs> let's be honest. Um, but he, want, he gives us seed and he tests us. Are you going to sow? And he will give to those who have a generous heart. I really believe that. So, uh, you know, Luke 12, 15 says, a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And I love that when we were singing this song this morning, I was thinking of that. The riches of this world can never satisfy. Let my heart want for only you. You know, only he satisfies. We could have all the riches of the world and still not be satisfied. So this generosity doesn't just to apply, you know, to finances, but also to the gifts he's given us. And he expects us to use those gifts he's given us to bless other people, right? We all have gifts. 